If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Hooper's Unhailed, a Capital Flavor production in partnership with 265 Media. What up, what it is, what's poppin', it's your boy KDOT, and I want to welcome you to Season 1 of Hooper's Unhailed Best Moments. Now, the whole concept behind Hooper's Unhailed is simple. I want to shed light and give flowers to all of those Hoopers out there that you may have heard of, but you didn't know the entire story of their life. So, what I did was, of course, I wanted to highlight that, and I wanted to show love to everybody that I basically interviewed. So, we had so many great guests. I'm talking about Zach Ramey, Daniel Artest, Jada Jefferson, Sylvia Crawley, Maria Laterza, Monica Hanna, Christina Williams, Justina Knight, and I'm telling you, Ashley Battle. It was a great first season. But let's talk about how I actually came up with the whole concept of the storyline idea. So I'm kind of a storyteller myself, and I wanted to kind of paint that picture for everybody to help understand where I was coming from. So why not do it to where I figure I travel to everybody's hometowns and basically give you guys an idea of where they came from and where they live. So I was able to snag a few clips here and there, give a few, you know, tickets, get a few airplane shots, get a few, you know, train shots, especially when I was in New York. Um, Because the majority of my uh, fellow illustrious guests are from New York. Um, I came through and did California. Uh, I did Durham, North Carolina. I mean, I did Savannah, Georgia. I mean, it was just so fun just coming up with the, the whole concept. And even thinking about the music part. So when you talk about real live hip hop, real live R&B, I mean, it gives you that whole you know, vibe that you're in that space with them and me interviewing them as well. So I want you guys to just take a listen at some of the best moments from season one. Professional career in a nutshell. So with that being said, it goes right into Mm -hmm. the story that I need you to to kind of share. (laughs) I'm already smiling, man. When you told me this, I couldn't believe it, but go ahead. I couldn't believe it. So I think it's like 2007, 2008. Yep. I'm, a, I'm probably, you know, a sophomore going, going to be in the junior at Clemson University. You know, I am a huge and one fan. Yep. Um, I was I was trained um, back when I was like in seventh grade by uh, by a guy they call Future, mm-hmm. um, you know, in mm-hmm. the Bronx. I stayed, you know, I stayed in the Bronx over the summer that year and he kind of showed me the ropes. 
Um, he thought I had a lot of potential. You know, I was only in seventh grade, but you know, you know, it's it's whatever. But I'm I'm watching TV, and you know, I didn't I didn't realize it, of course, at the time. But I'm I'm looking at YouTube. We're fast forward to about maybe about six months ago. Um, not even not even that. Maybe about um, maybe about mm-hmm. three months ago. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at your website, and I see this face. <laughs> And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that this is the same Zach Ramey that was on the and one <laughs> mixtape tour tryouts? Yep. And at that time, going back to 2007, 2008, like I'm rooting for you, bro. And I don't That's, even know you. I'm, and I'm rooting I, for you. So, so tell us about that. Tell us hey, about you, that. First please. of all, man, it shows you. Man, not even trying to get deep or emotional, but just how dope the universe is. You know, whatever your religious beliefs are, me is more just, you know, the universe and nature and all that. And um, how different experiences in life bring you in contact with people and how when you don't know people, the type of effect you may have, whether good, bad or otherwise. Man, I just thought when you told me that I was so dope, dope because. You know, I hadn't heard anything from people saying that in a while. So I thought it had finally passed over, K. Because for a while, I would say all the way up until I was like 2014, 15, people with random people would still mm-hmm. come up to me at least once or twice a year and tell me, you know, I don't want to be, you know, weird or this, that, and the third. But weren't you that guy? And I was like, yeah, that was me. And it would blow my mind. Like, wow. So I didn't even know they was in town, just keeping it a buck. And um, I was working out at Lifetime Fitness. We was hooping. And, um, a guy by the name of Antoine Hall, again, Chicago and Chicagoland area, produces so many players, it's crazy. He went to Arkansas for a minute. I forget where he went to after that, but even had a chance to play in the league, but arguably one of the best players you've never heard about. One of the most athletic guys I've ever seen. And he was like, man, Antoine looking for players. You need to go down to the Lakeshore Athletic Club, which is downtown. So if you've been to Chicago, it's one block off of Michigan Avenue by the hard, what's now the Hard Rock uh, Hotel, and it sits right off the Chicago River, which is Wacker Drive. So I was like, all right, best. Okay. So I go in there. Sure enough, uh, Escalade's in there. He's in there with the other guy, forget his name, who's kind of like one of their coaches. Uh, Springs show up late. It wasn't a bunch of the actual players there. And um, just a bunch of guys running in the gym. Now, I knew some of the guys because the guy that got picked, my guy Zoe, we played in different leagues against and with each other. My guy, Sean, was in there hoping it, whatever. And Kate out it was just one of those days. Like, I've always played well, but, you know, certain days, the, the sky just opened up for you. And right, right. I was just killing, bro. Like, if the NBA team walked in, I might have gotten at least a workout. Like, not, not even exaggerating. I was just killing. What you saw in the highlights, we played for almost three hours. It don't even do it justice for how I was in that plan. Because matter of fact, when Escalade, so when the play happens, when I come down the middle and I throw it off the backboard, go get it and dunk it in traffic. Mind you, I've never did it before that. Couldn't duplicate Ooh. it since. Only did that once in actually traffic in a game. I've done it on breakaway showing off, but like actually in traffic. When he telling me to go sit down, we actually play for like another hour and a half. That was just kind of for the TV. So I get picked to play in the game. The next day, me and Zoe, uh, Escalade, may rest in peace, great guy, um, calls me uh, Stacy Augman, you know, so I, 
Yep. So we play at the House of Hope, which is actually a mega church. And um on the south, south side, uh south, well, not south side, southeast side, far east side, like literally the lake is right there. And um play well. You saw the clips of me and you know, baby Shaq going back and forth. That's literally how it happened. And they was blowing us out. Like people don't I realize did. they was blowing us out. So I was getting minutes, but I wasn't getting minutes at first. It was weird. So they put me and another guy in the game. We get us back in the game. I think I finished with like 20-some points, bro. I was killing. Like those last two threes I hit, and I think I had another basket. So we get to the end. They draw up a play. Last minute, they sub me out. And that's when I knew something fishy was going on. So the guy that went by the name of D.O., he was from Milwaukee. If you're familiar with the show, he had been on there like two or three times before. And he would get to a certain point that would make it. He ends up hitting the game-winning shot. Now, mind you, he had four points the whole game. He had a dunk in the first quarter, second quarter, and then he had that game-winning shot. That's it. Now, mind you, if it wasn't for me and the other guy, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, they wouldn't even have been in the game. Now, this is when Anwan had Professor, so I played against him, Springs, Helicopter, Baby Shaq, Air up there because he's from Chicago. Um couple guys because I had already played in Rockford against like I played against AO played against 50 played Mm -hmm. 50 was there too played against Spider that was actually a real game that's when I walked away saying AO was probably one of the best point guards I ever played against Uh, just keeping it a buck Mm -hmm. I wasn't impressed with Professor because he like five foot six so all them little moves I wasn't going for and because I'm six three I can just contest his shot so all that didn't work on me gotcha and um so I thought I did well I'm like okay he made the game winning shot, but like literally he had four points. Like, there's no way I don't have this. So I get in the locker room, they doing their spill, and then they end up picking him, D.O. And That's I'm looking crazy. at Escalade like, like, are y'all serious? So Escalade pulled me to the side. He told me, he's like, yeah, bro, I picked you. Me and the other guy picked you, but somebody from the production staff had a, a vote and somebody else, and they ended up voting dude on because he had been on there. Now, mind you, this was the last year it was on TV. It was sponsored by Old Spice. Yes. There was a $25,000 grand prize. Chicago was the second to last stop. The next stop was, I believe, Boston, if I'm not mistaken. So all I had to do was get picked and go to Boston. Who knows what happens from there as far as my career and being on TV and all this kind of stuff. So busy. I'm a captain now. Let's get right. Nope. She couldn't get me kicked out of school. Thank God. However, I could not any longer work out with my teammates. So at this point, this is preseason still. So Mm -hmm. all of preseason and all of regular season of the first half of the season, I could not weight train. I couldn't lift. I couldn't do anything with my teammates my senior year. Not shit. So this is where Coach Crawley comes in. Sylvia Crawley, the same woman who's whose poster has been hanging up in my locker room for the last four years at Malcolm X Bass High School, is now she is mandated to be my handler, handler pretty much. Mm-hmm. I had to work out with Sylvia Crawley, which ended up being the best thing to ever have. When I tell you God makes no, God works everything in his plans. When I tell you, Kada, I, I, when I tell you, sir, Yo, Sylvia Carly, if I had it all four years at, at Fordham University, I would be in the WNBA still. Sylvia Carly, I would have been, 
what Dawn Stilly was to Candace Dupree, what mm-hmm. Dawn Stilly was to Asia Wilson, what Dawn Stilly was to Sylvia Carly would have been there for me. I know that to be true if I would have had Sylvia Carly all four years. But because I'm isolated now and it's just me and Coach Carly always working out, like I had to lift all my weight training with her. I had all my individuals with her. I had all of my um study halls and stuff with her. Like I was isolated from the team, like legitimately. And it was just me and Coach Carly. So this is now, thank God, <clears throat> my parents. Okay, so going back a little bit further. Well, how I said my grandmother raised my brothers and I. Mm-hmm. My father died when I was four. My mother died when I was 14. My My twin brother and I were in foster care until we were three years old, until my grandmother could come back and get us. Mm-hmm. And she raised my twin brother, myself, and my older brother, which were like Irish twins, like legitimately. We're all the same age for like 30 days out of the year. So my grandmother raised all of us. Step in, Coach Crawley, where I needed a mom tour. I need a mentor. Like, mm-hmm. Coach Crawley has always been that. Coach Crawley has always taught me how to be a woman. Jay, stop cursing so much. Like, when I tell you this woman is is spiritually just on a whole different level with God. When I tell you this woman is just on a whole different level with just nuggets, the wisdom that come, comes out of her mouth. The nuggets of what she was trying to teach me then about playing the politics of the game, not just basketball, but the politics of Fordham University. I couldn't get it then. And she's still teaching me, KDOT. When I tell you this woman, and I thank God, because coming, stemming from all that turmoil that they tried to take from me just on somebody lying on me because she didn't like the words that I was saying to her. Thank God I had a Sylvia Crawley. Sylvia Crawley, when I tell you, KDOT, Sylvia Crawley opened the doors for overseas for me to playing with my agent, Ireland, Spain, and Greece. Sylvia Crawley opened a joy to this media game that I'm now stepping in. Don't judge my life media because for 10 years I was silent working with Sylvia Crawley in Monarch Magazine. Like Sylvia Crawley has been definitely it. Like definitely been a blessing in my life, yo. Shout out to Coach Crawley for real, for real. Yeah, that was dope. That Now that's that's an ill hoop story for you. So um, with that with that being said, just want to run some numbers right quick for your senior year. Um, you bump your your points up about a point and a half to about twelve to about twelve and a half points, um, almost thirteen points. But you bump your rebound game up. Now you averaging a double double your senior year, and now you making noise. And I'm pretty sure you know that jump starts your your pro career. And just tell us um, just a little bit about your pro career, and then we'll get right into, you know, uh, your your media, your beginning of your, you know, your media empire and your being, you know, this high, uh, this, this high point influencer in this social media game. It's it's crazy that you said my my numbers jumped up on the rebounds because that I yo that was all Sylvia Crawley K dot that was all Coach Crawley made me see the importance of rebounding like Coach Crawley made me understand like nah you should have been averaging a double like what you doing with your life like stop playing like get work like 
so ushering me into because Coach Crawley was still actively playing then. Mm-hmm. Coach Crawley was okay. My senior year at at Fordham University, Jimmy Lou gets fired after I'm supposed to leave out. So mm-hmm. there's an interim coach, Coach Lou, Coach Crawley becomes the interim coach at Fordham University. Because of the bullshit, whatever politics rules, they did not hire Coach Sylvia Crawley, right? So Coach gotcha. Crawley goes back to play in the WBA. She went back to play for San Antonio. So that whole summer, it's just, again, me and Coach Crawley working out because she's working out to go back to WBA. I'm working out to go overseas to play ball. Mm-hmm. So now it's just me and Coach Crawley getting his work, getting his work, getting his work, getting his work. Coach Crawley has played in at least 20, I want to say 20 different countries Coach Crawley's played in. So when I'm issued over to Ireland is my first contract. My first contract was trash, Kate. I, when I tell you, <laughs> when I wow. tell you I was only getting, I think I was getting probably, I want to say maybe 12 a month maybe 12 a month but my food was taken care of my room and board was taken care of they tried to give me a, a car but i didn't want that shit because i i couldn't even figure out walking across the street because they drive on the other side of the streets and shit so wow but it was coach crawley that i was calling at three o'clock in the morning which was fast forward what one o'clock in the morning here crying my eyes out coach i need you i don't understand this this if you, if anybody out there that pre playing overseas pre internet, pre Skype, that shit was a lonely world, K Dot. Like people used to be like, y'all want to play overseas? I want to play overseas. Nah, that pre internet world. That's when that you had to know that you loved the game of basketball because it was you in a different country, not being able with no friends or family. Shit, I played in Spain and couldn't speak the language. But then it was, yo, know, it, it took you, it took a different type of strong as mentally strong person to play back then. Like, mm-hmm. for real, for real, for real. So thank God I had a Sylvia Crawley that played in different countries and knew how to maneuver and knew how to talk contracts and knew how to, no, nah, get different. Uh, all right, you get 10 rebounds extra, you get that amount of money in your um, contract. You get you get disappearance over here. Put that in that contract. Thank God I had a Sylvia Crawley that taught me how to to speak business on that on the contract side with my agent. So like yeah, that didn't Ireland. We we was trash, Kata. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like <laughs> I think we won two games in Ireland. Like oh, I hated wow. Ireland. Like we was going. I was going through a breakup with my ex from college. We. Only won two games. Ireland was dreary as hell. Rained every single day. I was super depressed. Like, that shit was not fun, yo. (laughs) Great opportunity for the ABL because this was going to be our first ever women's slam dunk contest, right? But Mm -hmm. the thing, the catch was we needed at least six people to have a respectable dunk contest, right? At the time... You know, we won't be able to do our dunk contest. So, um, sorry, I'm getting a phone call. 
I taught. Oh, okay. I taught Carol yeah. Walters yeah, um, how to dunk, and she couldn't even dribble and dunk. She just had to. She had a hard time palming the ball, and so I just told her, like you know, just push the ball in your hand as hard as you can, run up to the basket, hold the ball in the air, and then at the last second, like turn it over and dunk it. And she could do it that way, right? So she didn't dribble mm-hmm. up to the basket like everybody else. But still, you know, it was still pretty cool. And it gave us the sixth person. So we were able to have a dunk contest. So um, leading up to it, I was favored to win. I had a lot of interviews by Sports Illustrated, um, every, every magazine, every newspaper. Um, and so I started practicing for it because it started to get a lot of media attention. So I was like, okay, I, I got to take this seriously. I can't just show up and just casually dunk. So um, I lived in Denver at the time. I lived in a condo complex with like condominiums and some of the Broncos lived in my same complex. Um, mm-hmm. And so they were helping me with this um, and some of my teammates as well. And they were like, look, y'all can't all just do the same right-hand dunk. I was like, that's all we could do. <laughs> you know, like, we can't do no windmills behind the back, between the legs stuff. So we came up with the idea to do a blindfold dunk. And when I practiced K-Dot, oh, my gosh, it was so terrible. I was off. You know, they were like, to the right, to the left. You jump too soon. You jump too late. I was like, look, my legs hurt. <laughs> my fingers were, like, ready to just bleed I had calluses like crazy so um every time I tried I missed right so I didn't feel comfortable with it so I didn't tell any media didn't tell anybody outside of our group that was helping me work on this I didn't tell anybody I was going to do a blindfold dunk I said okay on the day of the contest if I got it if I have it down packed by then I feel good about it then I'll do it but I'm just not going to tell anybody so it won't be a lot of pressure on me right so Um, I finally got my steps right. We started marking the floor of when I needed to take off to do my two steps. Now, the deal was I was supposed to be able to see out of the blindfold. Like it literally was a blindfold gel pack that you put on your eyes when you get a facial. You know what I mean? And the eyes eyes aren't covered. It's just gel around your eyes, right? So my mom took some black sheer fabric and she covered it. And the way it was covered, I could see you, but you couldn't see my eyes. Like I put it on and I was asking my friends who were helping me. I was like, can y'all see my eyes? They were like, no, we can't see your eyes at all. I was like, I could see everything. I could see y'all. I could see the basket, you know, I could see my mark on the floor. And so um, the day of the contest, they gave us a shoot around, right? Where you could practice your dunks and stuff like that. And every time I tried it, K-Dot, I made it with the blindfold on so i was like yeah i'm gonna do it y'all i feel good they was hyping me up pushing me and stuff (laughs) and so i still didn't tell any media about it the day of the contest um the first round now listen the first round dunk you gotta scroll on my instagram page and find it it's it's the dunk that really don't get any credit but it's the one that got me to the second round my first round dunk i have my legs spread like like the Jumpman logo uh-huh. and my tongue out <laughs> and my arm back and dunked it um, and that got me to the second round I think only three of us 
maybe three of us made it to the second round. I can't even remember. Such a blur. And then the second dunk. Okay, so I stood under the basket. I took, I can't even remember. Um, I took double the steps, I know. I don't know if it was five or ten. But I took big steps out in a, in a semi-circle. Because I mm-hmm. high jump, I used to high jump, and I I learned how to dunk exactly like a high jump, right? <laughs> so I did my steps from under the basket in a semicircle, and then I got to my spot. And now we had this game floor marked too. I had the floor marked of where you know I should take off on my steps. And my sister comes out and she puts the blindfold on me. She's trying to get a hair endorsement, so she had just got her hair done. It was bouncing. She came bouncing out on the court. And I close my eyes and everybody starts screaming because they're figuring out like, oh, my gosh, you ready to do a blindfold dunk. So my sister ties the blindfold on me too tight. Now, okay, let me let me just say this. When I practice, I have my eyes open when I put the blindfold on. So once I tied mm-hmm. it, my eyes were open and ready to go. Well, this time I closed my eyes. Just I was. I just got caught up in showmanship for the, for the dunk contest, right? So I closed my eyes. My sister put the blindfold on me and she tied it too tight, K-Dot. So mm. now I couldn't open up my eyelids up underneath the mask, up underneath the blindfold. So I was like, I'm talking through my teeth at this time. I'm like, you tied it too tight. I can't open up my eyes. And she's like, oh my gosh, you want me to, she's like, you want me to redo it? She's, my sister is getting ready to have like a straight heart attack. And I was like, no, because then everybody was going to be suspicious that we rigged something. You know, I was like, I just got to go with it. She was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my. I said a little (laughs) prayer like, dear Lord, if you never do another thing for me ever in my life, I just ask that you do this one thing. (laughs) Now, what I could see was straight down my nose. Like I couldn't open. I couldn't open up my eyes all the way, but I could see down my nose to my feet. So I was like, okay, I can see the floor. So if I could just see the see the lane, see my mark or something like that, I will know what to do. I hope. I pray, right? So I take off. <laughs> I take off dribbling. I get to the lane, to the key. I see my mark, which is kind of like right inside the free throw line. And I take my two steps. And I like, I'm in the air, God knows where, <laughs> but I connected on the dunk. Like I felt, it felt good coming off my hand. I grabbed the rim. I felt the ball go through, you know, how like the ball could just bounce off the back of the rim. That happened a lot when I practice, but on this day, the ball, I connected on this dunk and pulled the rim. I heard the rim, like that's how hard I pulled it down. And, and, like, I feed off of energy. Like, the crowd was going wild. And, like, when I played, like, the louder the crowd cheered, like, the harder, the better I could play and the harder and the higher I could jump. So I was definitely feeding off the energy of the crowd, and I connected. And when it went in, I pulled the blindfold off and was jumping around like I was cheering louder than the fans when I made it. <laughs> and I know they were like, she cheering for herself. But I was so happy that I actually pulled that off because it did not go as planned. So people ask me all the time, could you see the answer to that question is yes, but not like I wanted to. <laughs> all I could see was the floor. So it still was like a miracle in and of itself. Still an incredible feat, you know. Um, I mean, like, K-Dot, I, I challenge you to go to the gym today 
tie a scarf on your head and only be able to see down your nose and see if you could complete that dunk. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Now, coach, let me tell you something. <laughs> now, your boy is Spud Webb, maybe a little taller than Spud Webb. So I don't know. Okay. Especially. Well, I'm saying. <laughs> try, try doing it without being able to see the rim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how high you can jump, you know, like it's just it's just different, man. So so yeah, immediately following that, I was pulled into a room with my at the time boyfriend, my sister, my agent, the door shut behind us. It was like the um commissioner of the league, all all of their um front office people, a few other front office people, and they my agent was like, The WNBA wants you to switch leagues. Like they were calling my agent and was like, listen, we will blow this out of proportion. If she switches over to the WNBA, she would have commercials endorsements. And so the ABL wanted to know, okay, what we got to do to keep you? What, what do we have to do in order for you to not go to the WNBA? And I'm in the room like, huh, <laughs> is this a joke or something? So my agent was like, Hey, tell them what you want. So in this moment, I got a chance to spell out my own contract. Like that does not happen for LeBron. Doesn't that doesn't happen for Michael Jordan. Like in the history of pro sports, you don't get to say what you want, really. I mean, you can negotiate, your agent can negotiate, but you don't sit down with David Stern or, you know, whoever the commissioner is at that time and say, I want this, 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 and this. So I was like, okay, I need to be the highest paid woman in the world, both leagues and overseas. So Shamika Holslaw was supposed to come out and, and make the first billion dollar contract. They, it was rumored, you know, that hadn't happened to this day, but <laughs> she was supposed to make a million dollars. I said, if she make a million, I need to make a million and one. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> um, I signed with um, Dunkin Donuts. Um, I went on tour um, I was on a Keenan Ivory Wayans late night show. I was on Jay Leno's late night show. I was on Sinbad's Vibe. I don't. You probably don't even remember that. But oh, I remember Vibe. I remember Vibe. Um, <laughs> I wanted to be traded. Like night. I got traded immediately on the spot, like two hours after the dunk contest. So I went from Colorado Explosion to Portland Power, where I played for Lynn Dunn. Um, she called me up and was like, "Welcome to the team." And so uh, she's like, I hear you're on tour. Like, I'm on Good Morning America. Like, it's crazy. And so I was like, Coach Dunn, um, I, I just, I felt nervous because I'm on a new team and I hadn't been to practice. And again, like, you know, in the league, you play like every other day, every three days or so. And so right. um, she was like, oh, don't worry about it. You're the face of the league right now. You just do what you do. And I said, what about the play? She said, when we pass you the ball, shoot it. I said, okay. <laughs> so I just went on tour living my best life. I mean, they were flying me. They gave me a flight, hotel. They had cars pick me up. Like, I had drivers. and A lot of good teams, man. I mean, a lot of good players on that team. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't for me and stuff. You know what I mean? Because the level the level was was really high playing with Rivers at church. And I realized as good as I was, I wasn't on that level of play, you know? So I needed to just build on my own. So I went with a, a smaller team organization called Elm Corps, which is based in Elmhurst, Corona, Queens area. And okay, I okay. To, I was able to, you know, grow my game. And um, we actually ended up beating Riverside Church in a lot of tournaments, 
you know, beating gauchos and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, we partnered up with with um, Wolfpack. That was when I teamed up with Lenny Cook. And, um, you know, my other point guard, Shaheen McNair, we had a bunch of good guys on that team as well. I think Smush Parker played with us a couple of times. You know, we had Sonata Gaines, Charlie Villanueva. Oh, yeah, I remember Sadiana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charlie Villanueva. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was, it was actually pretty dope. Curtis Sumter, who went to Villanova, who works in the Philadelphia 76ers organization and stuff, you know, um, and it was cool and stuff. So, like, my, my, my beginnings, like, between, like, the youth and high school was, was, was crazy. It was weird because, like, I didn't have no experience playing high school ball, but my name was still ringing bells and stuff. And um, I remember I played in the showcase game for this um, dude named Nate, Nate Blue. And Nate Blue, um, he basically um, ran this company called Real Scout Basketball. And mm-hmm. um, so he had a game. He had all the heavy hitters there in New York City. I'm talking about, like, you know, everybody, like, pretty much everybody was there that, that played that game. And um, like Luol Dang and everybody like that, and I played on the other team, on the other team opposite of them, and I scored forty points. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, that game put me on the map as far as like with junior colleges and stuff. And um, and then um, and then I had forty points playing strong on the inside, and then I was ranked number two in the state. So no high school, no high school um basketball play. Nobody knew who I was. You know what I'm saying? Um, besides just being Ron's brother and stuff, but to be ranked number two in the state of New York, you know, that, that was actually, you know, pretty cool. I wish I was one, but they gave that to Julius Hodge, which is understandable because Julius Hodge was a problem. But to be two with no high school experience, like it says a lot. You know what I'm saying? That's, so the beginning was crazy, bro. Crazy. That is crazy, man. And you know what? It's, it's funny that you, you know, that you mentioned that, um, you know, you didn't play any high school ball because, you know, you're the second unhailed hooper that did what you were able to do without playing high school basketball. That is crazy. So big ups to you. So let's let's transition into, um, you know, the University of Southern Nevada. Um, I understand that you played for uh Actually, you played for Tark's son, George. Yes, I played for Coach uh, George Tarkanian and stuff. So that's a funny story. So, like, how I even got to CCSN, you know, um, I didn't have no GED. I ain't had nothing going for me. You know what I'm saying? So I played at Rucker Park, had a great game. And uh-huh. Coach, you know, he heard about me. He came in New York to sign me. I signed on the spot, too. You know what I mean? And, um, but, um... Let me run it back a little bit. So, like I said, I played at Rucker Park, and he came. I think I forgot what I did, but I did something good. I think I must have had a big, a big ass game or something like that. But for him to come to Vegas to sign me, so he came, took me, and my dad out to dinner. They offered me a scholarship. I seen a national letter of intent, and boy, I signed it, man. And this was like a year, or two years before the school even started. So, um, wow. like, how I ended up getting to Vegas though was was crazy. Because um, what I did was I played with Gauchos in the AAU tournament. And so, like, I had to help them win the regional so we can go to the Nationals and stuff. So, you know what I mean? Like, so the Nationals was in Vegas. And so I did that. We um, I played with the Gauchos. I had an amazing tournament. And, um, and so they, they, you know, flew me to Vegas and everything. And, like, you know, we did really good in Vegas, but I didn't leave and stuff, you know. But I still didn't have nowhere to stay. So my girlfriend at the time, 
her mother's cousin was a boxer named Johnny McLean. And Johnny McLean at that time was married to Muhammad Ali's daughter, Layla Ali. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? They helped me get situated in Vegas and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, actually, I don't even know. I guess the statute of limitations is passed, but you know what I mean? I had, I had a house and stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was taken care of. You know what I mean? And um, it was cool. They helped me get my GED and everything. So I'm trying out. I'm, I'm practicing with the team. I didn't. At first, it was cool. But then around like the second month from there, because the basketball team didn't start yet. So mind you, I was there for some for a couple, a while before the school even started. It was a brand new basketball program. Gotcha. And so um, I started like not liking it. I was unmotivated in workouts and stuff. And, you know, coaches was like disappointed in me and was like, they don't know why they brought me out here and stuff because I just wasn't the player they thought I was like, I wasn't even like the guy that I was, I wasn't motivated to do anything. I was just like, whatever, you know, guys that not better than me, you know, you know, you know, getting the best of me and stuff. And, um, you know, coach talk, coach Tarkini said, was like, yeah, Daniel. So, you know, it was a pleasure having you, but we're not going to bring you back next year for the team and stuff, man. You know, we not, we, you're not the player that, I thought you was. Ended up, I had been playing against Tina Charles since I was eight. Then she's pretty big, so like, and she's always been great. She's always been marginally much better than me. But like, this is how I really got good by playing her all the time. Mm-hmm. Since I'm eight years old, since we're playing in at, like CYO uh, and Coney Island, it's so crazy. Um, so here we are now. We're like 17, 18, the same. You know, going up against each other. And um, I think that game, I had like, I had like 24. I had like I scored like 24 that game. And I fouled out, (laughs) of course. So, like, so I scored like twenty four. Tina had like (laughs) forty four. But, but, but the point is, most of the time, my backup was like five seven. Tina definitely had forty four. She went to work for sure. But I'm like, I remember coming out of the game saying, "Yo, I had twenty four points this game." That's crazy. And like most of the time, she was guarding me. And like that's where I really put it into perspective. Like most of the time, I would say like you know she probably got her subs in too because they were definitely smoking us by twenty. But like they did everybody. I feel like at that time you need to understand New York City girls basketball. Christ the King was on like a whole other right. level. I mean, come on, like people like if you don't know, it's been a while back. I have to like remind people and like so like in the league it was like Christ the King was number uh-huh. one, and then everyone was just like we just were like okay whatever they have it, and the rest of the league was just like let's just put Christ the King to the side. And then so whoever came in, like, like second place was really, like, the real first place. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, like, I never prided myself on second place, but you need to understand the level of, like, what Christ the King was on yeah, that year, those years. So, yeah. like, you put him to the side, and then, like, yo, second and third place was, like, lit. It was really, like, oh, yeah, like, that kind of stuff. So, um, so I didn't, like, really get it. And now as I'm older in high school, and this is like kind of a lot of, of what I really try to like preach. And I'm, and I'm so, I live in my neighborhood now and I'm, and I'm, and I'm very, very um, like proactive in, in mentoring young athletes or finding young athletes who really like the game because I did not have enough people that really knew what was going on. I mean, I was getting, I, I moved out recently and, and I found all my college letters I mean, I was getting bombarded. And when I look at some of the schools now as someone older and like really understanding, like I had so many top offers and I love that I ended up picking Maris, but um, my physique was like a big East body and I was playing against big East body players. This is how in New York, that's what right. we were. Um, and, uh, and, and I feel like had I had better guidance 
um, had I had more people to really to or like knew the game or just understood these things better. Um, like so many other, like the Exodus players had amazing, have always had amazing guidance. And even like the Heat, I had amazing guidance from Kevin, right? But I just, I never really got it. And I think I never really got it because I never really had somebody in a position before me from where I came from in my neighborhood that was like, hey, like if you do X, Y, and Z, this is, you're going to be in the WNBA. Like I'm WNBA caliber, but I had made decisions in my career that deferred that. Wow. So. Let's jump, let's jump right into the marriage situation because, you know, this what right. leads me into a segment, what I call ill poop stories. And it's, okay. a, it's crazy how when I, when I looked it up, you know, of course, your first year, you know, you're only getting like nine minutes a game. But. No, I didn't play it. Yeah, my first year. I don't even know if that if I got, I think I might have gotten nine minutes the whole oh, year. Wow. My See, first year. I you promise nine you. Nine minutes a game to nine minutes the whole year, but then there's an inter- there's yeah. an interesting twist to this story, um, and it kind of leads to your professional career. But before we get into yeah. that, you know, let's let's just let's just talk about it. So, Marist, of course, um, I do understand that you know you wanted you felt like there, it was at a point where you wanted to transfer, but because the, yeah. the education was so good that you decided to yep. stick it out. So tell us about that. Yeah, Maris is an amazing school. Um, and, and, you know, when I, when I really sat down and, and I looked at, at my top school choices, and I really completely, and it's crazy when I set it down because I had so many Big E schools that were, like, on me, calling me, and I just kind of pushed those really to the side because I was so kind of focused on staying home and closer to my family. And, and I was lucky and blessed that, that Maris then, the, my senior year, ended up making it to the Sweet 16. And uh, for 10 years following that, like, they were running the Mac. So I, throughout college, I got to go to the NCAA tournament four times. I have like two first round wins. My senior year, we were 17th in the nation. Um, so I was at a really, I was at, a, I ended up at a top program anyway. Um, the difficulty was that it was a mid major, and I didn't understand that in mid majors, the centers and power forwards are usually around 5'10, 5'11 for the most part, maybe six foot, and are really guards. Right, right. Um, and and I didn't have enough guidance when it when it came to understanding playing time and understanding playing style that Maris plays a five out motion. And I was completely inside in high school. I didn't you know, that was those were the days where, like, if you're big, you stay in the paint, even if you can dribble, it doesn't matter. Um, and those are quill. So so I re- so I was already behind in that sense. Like I didn't play at all in my in my four years. That was really, really difficult. But. Um, I loved the school. I loved everything about campus. Um, we were packing out in our in our gym three thousand people a game. We had the hottest ticket in Poughkeepsie. Ooh. And for women's basketball, I'm saying like for like we had more people at our games than men's games. We had Oklahoma that year that was like number five. I remember that game. I remember was we almost the, beat them. The, it was the craziest was this, thing that was ever. The game with the Paris Twins. Yes. Wow. Yes. No. A lot. Uh, Paris. No. no uh, Paris Twins had. Had uh, just maybe graduated. It was with uh, Lajuan, Akeem Lajuan's yes. daughter. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Okay. And uh, and Hand, they had Hand, Rebecca Hand, who was like yes. a six shooter. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. They came to play from Poughkeepsie, and it was nuts. I mean, like, that. And we really, it came down to the buzzer beater, and it was just, even though we lost that game, it was one of the, the sickest games I'd ever played in. And in terms of women's basketball, like, yo, who is packing out 4,000 a game in a mid That's a fact. That's a fact. 
we had in women's basketball, I think we had like the number one like fan support or like people coming to our games in the country um, for mid-majors and stuff, which is nuts. Um, but, you know, the only thing about Maris, and I, and I always say this, and like there are a lot of things that I had to learn after is like, but I was, mu- I, I was mature enough very early to understand this, that like I was able to look at the big picture. I'm very much a big mm-hmm. picture person. Mm-hmm. And in the big picture, I loved everything about where I was at. I love my teammates. I love the school. I love my education. So I really, I picked the school that suited me. So I, I picked the right choice. I, I picked it for the school, right? The only thing that I didn't like was my playing situation. And although I try to talk to my coach and change it, you know, I, I, I always, I would say, got the runaround in a way instead of him, I, how I would have preferred now him be really direct. Um, but, you know, one year it was like, hey, coach, why am I not playing? You're not playing, you know, because Maria, we do a five out motion and, you know, you can't really shoot the three. Cool. Spend the whole summer. Boom, boom, boom. Shooting the three. Come back. Crushing it. I'm shooting three. It's, it's, I'm making a rain. It's crazy. I'm like, hey, coach, why am I still not playing? He goes, yeah, well, you know, we were doing five on motion, so we really need you to, to be able to go one-on-one, especially coming off the screen. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then the next summer, come home. Where am I? You find me in West 4th. And I'm like, what better way to work on the your cage. handles in New York City? <laughs> hey, so I don't got a lot of moves, but I got one between the leg that you'll never see coming in and around the, bla- the back that I got like one or two. Worked on that one. I was like, look, I know that I can beat somebody slower than me That's doing this. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that still wasn't enough. Um, and that was really hard. And, 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 I, and I think you know, we, we had been touching on mental health in so many other ways. Like This is where, for me, I, I can really resonate and understand how important mental health is and how important certain situations really can shape a young athlete's mind. Um, while this happened, my grandmother passed away when I was about 19, when I was 19, my mm-hmm. sophomore year. And I was, I had finally gained the starting spot. And he, because it was such a big thing, like me, I was pretty much like, I, pretty, I almost didn't even make the funeral because I, because I had to be back from my game in time or else I wasn't going to start ever again. So there were a lot of things I think growing up that were really difficult. But at the end of the day, like, I, I think if I had to look back now, I love Maris. I love everything about, I have so many amazing memories there and it's, it's unbelievable. And the network that I have now that has helped me just incorporate in New York city is beyond. But, um, for my professional career, it really, really, really hurt me. And it was very difficult, um, to kind of, to be on the bench. Like, yo, in, in four years, I averaged about eight minutes a game. Um, and, and I would play more when we were in the tournament where we were playing right, Big East right. teams uh, because they needed a big body. And then I would just – it would be like, oh, here I am. But it was tough, you know, when you, you, know, when you look around you graduate and you just see, like, yo, everybody, everybody from New York City in my age group that year played in the WNBA. So as I got to my senior year, um, I ended up just by chance playing, like, playing overseas. And uh, I went to, to vacation in Italy. My grandmother passed away. I didn't want to go back home. And I went to Italy for the summer. Um, and I was playing on a pickup court and I, and I had somebody, this is my junior year, right? But going to senior year, I had, I had some guy pull me over. I was just playing pickup, like an old man run. The guy was like, Hey, you play basketball? And I go, yeah. He goes, you play professionally? He's like, I have a team right now that'll, that'll take you. I'm like, a professional team wants to take me. He goes, and I'm like, I'm like, I suck. Cause you know, mentally you're just so mentally, I was so down. I didn't think I was good. I was like probably 30 pounds overweight, drinking beer all the time, celebrating we're winning. So like, we're always turning up, you know, I'm not playing. Um, and that talk with him, he was serious. He gave me his contact. And I went back to school that year with a new mentality when I realized, wait a minute, Italy has a top professional league. It's one of the best leagues. Like, I have an Italian passport. Oh, my God, I'm going to try to play for the national team. And, like, 
because I was so mad about my situation, I, I knew deep down that I, I deserved much more. And I was like, I was, I was really good. I was definitely like the spark plug, but like, I was always, I was always the um, exception and never the rule. Right. So like I'd experienced my teammates being able to goof around and like, and mess up how I did and, and like, not but like, but I couldn't do that stuff. I couldn't even make a peep. Like if I just, even if I like, if my eye twitched, if like one coach was talking to me, like get her out or like something like my, I was really on a short leash really funny story um that happened when i played pro uh and and i this is when um my teammate two of my other teammates and i ran into some pretty heavy hitter celebrities <laughs> and i'll get into i'll get into who they were as the story goes along okay so, so um you know playing playing for the liberty you kind of have some access you have access to go to different concerts and go to different things and um at this time Kanye West is having a concert at the garden and so uh two of my teammates and I so there's three three of us who went to the concert and um we're leaving the concert and my teammate she didn't want to go she said I didn't want to go out with Gen Pop and now uh, it took me forever to like realize that <laughs> that Gen Pop was like general population like if you're in jail and you're like following the crew and stuff like that right. I was like I was, it took me years to figure out like what is Gen Pop you know I'm like like I have no idea what this is so um you know so we're like going against the grain to get to like the service elevator uh-huh. because if you if you go in the garden there's like this elevator and it's still there to this day, but uh, the the inside of the garden is kind of different. Uh, they remodeled it a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, so like where this elevator was, you have to like go by our locker room. The elevator would be right there and it would take you down to the employee entrance. And where we were parked, it was like right near the employee entrance. And if you've seen Madison Square Garden or have been in Madison Square Garden, like all of the traffic, if you're leaving, takes you out to... Um, to 7th Avenue, where we wanted to go was on 8th Avenue. So, and it's a huge, long New York block to go from 7th to 8th, but it really isn't that big of a deal, you know, to go from 7th to 8th. Right. It's it's like, it's one block. It's like not that big of a deal. But so she, but if you leave out of the one side, you end up on 8th Avenue and that's what she wanted to do. So we're like going and gets the grain. We're getting stopped along the way, you know, by security. And we're just like, oh, we work here, you know, play for the Liberty. So we finally get to the door by our locker room. And, you know, of course they don't want to let us in. So we're like, you know, we finally finagle our way to get, get in. And um, as we're walking in, you hear somebody that's like, oh shit, this concert's dope. And so the way that the hallway is looks, it's like you walk, there's some pictures along the wall. There's a, a door. If this is all on your right side, the left side has like nothing on it. So you're walking and it's like pictures are on the wall. You walk, there's a door. And then you continue walking. There's another door. Okay. So there's two doors. Both doors kind of lead to the same place. It's just two different entries. Okay. So, so we're, so my two teammates are like looking along the wall, like, Oh, look, it's our pictures. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like standing there and I'm like, Hey guys, there's Beyonce. And so like, but they don't hear me say that because, and I'm like super calm. So I'm just like, Hey, there's Beyonce. And so they're, they're just like, 
whatever, because they have no idea that I said that. So as we're approaching the, the first door, you hear what I just said. Oh, shit, this concert was dope. Ah. And so my teammate was just like, who is that being all extra? Like, ain't nobody extra like that in New York. And it goes completely quiet. Oh. It gets, it gets completely quiet. And now, like, we approach the door, and we look in the doorway. It's Diddy, Hove, and Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, huh. Like, I'm just like, like huh. And that's something. Like, you know what I mean? And so, and, the, and my teammate, she was like, oh, it's Diddy. And then she was like, oh, shit, it's Hove. <laughs> like that. And, and then he's like, like, oh, fuck, I got to go excuse my friend she's just like oh I gotta leave and so she's like beyond herself and is just like you know huh my name is like trying to shake his hand and stuff like that so he like shakes her hand and he's like walking out so my two teammates they then like proceed to like follow him out because again we're all going to the service elevator right you know what I mean like like this is the way to like leave the garden if if you can leave this way you know what I mean exactly yeah (laughs) Meanwhile, Beyonce's still standing right there. And so I go over to her and I'm just like, hi, you know, like, I like your music, you know, would you mind, um, you know, if we could take a picture and stuff like that. And so her uh, security guard, who I believe is still her security guard to this day, was just like, no pictures, no pictures. And she's like, no, it's okay, it's fine. She's like, as long as I don't get, as long as I don't get left. And I'm like, look, we got to escalate. We don't have a Maybach. We'll take you wherever you need to go. Like wherever you need to go, we'll take you. Cause Jay-Z is out. And he's like, I'm fucking leaving. You know what I mean? And so she's like, just standing there like, Hey, what's going on? You know? So then my teammates realize like, I am not with them. <laughs> and so like, I'm, I'm like steadily having a conversation with Beyonce and and my one teammate, the other teammate, she is, is a huge Beyonce fan. So she, realizes like I'm talking to Beyonce she like her knees buckle she falls into my teammate they both fall into the wall oh no (laughs) and and I'm just like looking at them like are you kidding me right now and so she's like dang y'all scaring me no and I turn to Beyonce I'm like I am so sorry they know not what they do I was like I am so sorry and then I look at them and I'm like get it together (laughs) I'm like I'm like people act like this when they see us like that and so and so I turned back around and again I was like you know I'm, I'm really sorry about that you know would you still be willing to like take a picture with us because now they're like screwing it up <laughs> like they're like they're like really screwing it up and so she's like yeah you know of course so we we all now they're in my photo like they weren't supposed to be in my photo but now we have like I'd like crop them out of my picture <laughs> and so it's just like it's just Beyonce and I and then um, we all walked out together. So end up, all of us end up being on the service elevator together. But the, the crazy thing is, um, you know, it's just like, you never know. When you come into situations like that, you never know what's going to happen. Like, it, it's best to keep your cool because you really don't know what's going to happen. And they, were, and they were really nice people, but we made them feel uncomfortable. So if, like, they were... And what they don't realize, my two teammates, is what they don't realize is that we probably could have hung out with them for the rest of the night, you know, and like probably really got a chance to get to know them really well because this was like pre-babies. Like they didn't, 
like they're probably going to go out after you know what i mean yeah. so like and and if we we're just like oh what's up you know we play for the liberty why don't y'all come to get like like just just having a normal conversation with them could have led to us like probably getting their numbers hanging out and like doing some random stuff that like people dream about doing but no they acted like super fans and that is my beyonce jay-z diddy kanye story that uh and just for the record you just casually go into that story and you don't see me but my eyes lit up when you said diddy hove and like and like you don't understand see because i knew i had the skills to walk on to any school that i wanted so when i got to morris i, I enrolled in morris i didn't even enroll in as okay. a student they told yeah they told us that they were going to be having tryouts so my best friend she was around me the whole entire time or whatever and there were there was this girl they had been already talking about other uh they had already been talking about other girls and stuff there that was good and stuff like that. And the only thing I felt like I wanted to do is that I belonged or whatever. So I get there, I get my shoes and everything else like that. And they have an open run gym because what I like about Morris is that although they had seniors and stuff coming back, they still told all the girls players, you still come in the run open gym because we're going to see if you deserve your spot. So I had already been hearing about other girls that got there and signed or whatever like this. So that was a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, okay, well, I'm about to come and do my thing, you know. So my best friend I've been with me, she done sat with me or whatever. And that's when everybody knew it was time to play. Lit the gym up. Ain't nobody lit the gym up. I was talking and I was talking my cash money stuff too. Because at this point in time, you know, I felt like where I come from, you earn what you want to play. It don't, it don't, ain't nobody gonna give you nothing, you know? And so I came in the gym. The coach seen who I was or whatever. He came and asked me, set me down. At that point in time, when he seen me playing the open run gym or whatever. And at this time, he like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, are you coming to play? I said, that's fine. Brought me on to what was left of a scholarship, gave me a partial. Rest was, after that, we played. Oh, man. <laughs> Yo, cash money. See? Cash Listen. money. I mean, and then I was picking up 94 feet because that's all I ever knew. All I ever knew since playing grade school, since going to uh, my first organized basketball in middle school, pick up 94 feet. And I did. And I made sure that I, if I couldn't intimidate you, I mean, that was, that was just one. But you better know how, you better learn how to handle the rock in front of me, too. You know, and, and that was my thing. And for years, Kev, um, back when people was just playing off of natural talent and athleticism, my biggest thing was I never needed a, how can I say this? I never needed a person who was so fundamentally sounded in the polls. You know, I felt like as long as I can get a group of girls, I get five. All of them was in well in shape. All of them can get on the boards. All of them can run that five man transitional break. I, I could run people out the gyms. So when I was in AAU, my father used to always tell me, um, I used to ask how you beat a shooter's team. You see what I'm saying? He said, most of the time with a shooter's team, they mm-hmm. ain't got no runners. He used to always say that. You know what I mean? And that was true. They didn't have warners. But one thing about a shooter's team is they know how to play corners really well. Right. You know what I mean? They get, they get set up in them corners, interchanging out, you know, running baseline and shooting the ball. That's what they know how to do. But if you get that ball off the rim, 
you running five man breaches, you running the hell out of them. What they gonna do? They can't do nothing. Right. They got no legs. So, so what I would do was I took that same method from from organized basketball and ran with it with, with women who actually knew as long as I hustle, as long as I rebound, as long as I run the lane, I'm gonna get the ball. You know what I mean? And that's what I did. I I took that whole concept and before skill was really what it is today, all I did was take my girls, hey, we run, we, we run, we run teams at the gym. They're going to be tired. And that's how we won most of Ooh. our games. Man. Mm-hmm. So. So um, the okay. basketball coach who was also coaching the middle school players as well as the high school players um, comes up to me. He was like, hey, how tall are you? And I was like, oh, I'm a good, like, you know, at the time I was like 5'11", so almost six feet by seventh grade. And I was like, yeah, I'm like 5'11", 6 feet. And I'm like, what's up? I, was, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know why he was coming to talk to me. And, um, you know, I was very, like, to myself and very shy <laughs> as a seventh grader. Um, uh-huh. And so he comes up to me. He's like, yeah, we're having intermediate basketball tryouts. I would love for you to come. And I was like, oh, gosh, like, not another one. Like, here we go again. He was like, no, just come out and try it. And, you know, if you like it, you can stay. If you don't like it, you can leave mid-tryout. And I was like, all right, fine. So, next day we have tryouts and this is after school and I remember like I don't even have basketball shorts I don't have basketball shoes I didn't have no athletic gear whatsoever like I only had my PE clothes and even that it only had some sweats on so that first day I walked into tryouts (laughs) I remember with some gray sweats and I had a white t-shirt on and I had these ones that I just walked around in like as a normal day in school like (laughs) And then, um, hold on. Yes. Before before you go, man, it was rough. You said you said you had some you had some ones. All right, so you already know. I'm from New right. York, so I gotta ask. Low top, mid top, or no, high they top? They were high tops, and they was custom. I remember I was begging my mom for them at the time. I was like, Mom, I really want to customize these shoes. Like I've always loved shoes. Like growing up, like that was one thing I was in tune with. And I was like, Mom, I want to customize these so bad. And she was like, All right, if you get good grades. I remember I got straight A's the year before and I was like, oh, I'm getting these shoes, you know? And I remember they were like purple and white and they had these little like nice little print on it. Like <laughs> it was just so, nice. so childish, but you know, it was my first pair of like, I would say basketball shoes, I guess, because they were basketball shoes. And um, yeah, so then I had those on, had some sweats on, had a white t-shirt on. And then the first thing we do is we, we start, you know, just stationary dribbling. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. So then he's looking, he's demonstrating. And it's crazy because this is going to sound so cliche and cheesy. But the minute I touch the ball and I start dribbling, I was like, oh, I kind of like this. <laughs> like, I like the feeling, you know. I was like, okay, you know, I'm feeling this. And, I'm, of course, I was messing up and stuff. And at that point, I'm dripping sweat. And I was used to be very, very chunky as a kid as well. So I was maybe about 60, 70 pounds heavier than I am now um so I'm over there dribbling the ball and stuff and then we go into layups and he's teaching how to do a layup and all this stuff and I was like you know I really like this like this is really cool like and I'm looking around me and everybody else is tall around me as well so I was always the tallest girl in the school you know obviously you got bullied for being tall being the one that's standing out so I just finally found my place where I can fit in and not be looked at as an outsider and that's what really mm-hmm. made me fall in love with the game was that I felt confident in the space that I was at. Like, it wasn't like I'm the tallest girl or like all these girls, are, you know, dressing differently than me. And like, I'm more of an aggressive, assertive person and not, you know, females are not supposed to be looked at like that. Like, it was that type of thing. So that's really what made me like fall in love with it. Honestly, it's just I felt so comfortable in the space that I was in. And I realized like I can let out my aggression and my assertiveness on the floor, you know. 
I, I get it. Listen, I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a shorty and I'm still a mm -hmm. shorty. Right. So like I was that kid, you know, coming from New York. Um, like I, I actually got cut my seventh grade year. Like I moved to South Carolina when I was like in elementary mm -hmm. school, but I still kind of carried that New York swag. But I actually got cut um, because I was first off, to be honest with you, I wasn't really that good yet. But I was also like, like five, three, right. maybe. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, always being called shorty, always getting like for the, you know, with the tall kids, they, you know, rubbing <laughs> your head because, you you know, they're tall, and yeah. you know, so like I, I always got that as well. Um, So, you know, like I said, it was the opposite for me, but, you know, I totally right. get it, Um, you know, so let's, you know, let's go into, you know, your, your high school career. So what was it like um, once you finally, you know, got the grasp of, of basketball. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your high school career. And then, you know, of course, we'll uh, jump right. into college. Um, so my high school career, obviously, because I started really, really late as a seventh grader, I really didn't get really good until maybe my junior year, senior year. Um, junior year is when I mm -hmm. started noticing big changes in my body and noticing, obviously, me dropping weight. I'm starting to learn how to do, like, little footwork stuff and actually – making shots now finally learning how to shoot well all that stuff because I didn't play much uh, my ninth and tenth grade year uh, ninth grade year I ended up dropping from varsity um, to play on JV just to get the experience and the game experience and all that stuff so um, I really didn't start getting good until I would say mostly senior year um, and by then that's when I was learning all these new moves and just starting to work on my craft a lot like by then I, I maybe lost about 40 pounds um by then and in one year I actually ended up losing 20 so it was crazy the way like my body was changing and stuff but um I went from being a total scrub to riding the bench um to just people who not knowing her like who really I was and like just not looking at me as a threat on the floor to hey we need a guard or hey we need a double team or hey we got to make sure you know like and I'm hearing this happening as I'm playing and stuff and it was just it was just a big like blessing to see like all my hard work finally paying off and then um I ended up my senior year, I got, I got athlete of the year. I got my name in the gym. I've broken multiple records. I was the second um, girl in the school's history to record a triple-double um, with rebounds, points, and blocks. And, um, Ooh, yeah, nice, <laughs> it, was, nice. it was such a great feeling. Like, And the crazy part is I had no idea. I was, just, I was just playing, and I was just enjoying my time and having a good time. And then my coach texted me at the end of the night. He was like, well, you did it. I was like, did what he was like second girls in school history to record a triple double I was like what like that's crazy like and it's just I that's honestly probably my my favorite moment girls talk sports tv I still have the screenshot we started with five followers um and you know just the passion to want to amplify the women's game um to show that women can talk about sports and it can be the norm and not the exception to show representation in terms of black women reporting sports news. I had a little tribe with me on people that I met in college, hoopers, um, sports enthusiasts who really helped me um, in the beginning stages, built my brand in a sense of contributing, um, you know, me helping them build their portfolios and seeing how I could help them. 
Um, and really that's the birth of Girls Talk Sports TV and how it started in a nutshell. But um, yeah. <laughs> that is, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, you and I have sort of a similar um, story um, between, you know, Girls Talk Sports TV and my company, um, Heavy Handed Hoops, um, LLC. Um, it's one of, it was just one of those things where I'm sitting down and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And my wife actually comes up and say, you know what? You always talk in basketball. You're always like just yapping at the mouth at what people need to do better in the game why don't you, you know, become a player development specialist or something like, let's create something from that. And just like, you know, kind of like your idea, like the light bulb came up. So, I mean, that's a, that's such a dope story on how it came up. And I love how you have the screenshot, you know, of your, you know, yeah. your first, you know, a few followers, um, because look, <laughs> look at what it is now. I mean, so this, this, is what I want to get into. Um, and this is what I call ill hoop stories. If you can, while building up Girls Talk Sports TV, can you think of a, a dope story um, behind the game that actually was, it, it could be a funny story. It could be something inspirational. Um, I know you got plenty of stories because the one that, <laughs> that was baby, funny. That yeah, was a that funny was one. Hilarious. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> if if you can if you can think of any other story, or even if you want to tell me, oh no, we gonna keep that one. Lid, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but yeah, share a story. You mean uh, like any story from like my time since I started covering the league? Um, for sure. Um, let's see, Absolutely. there are so many stories. Okay. One story that was super funny was, um, I was, uh, in the locker room at Westchester County Center where the New York Liberty formerly played, um, and they had just lost to the Indiana Fever. And so I'm doing my post game mm -hmm. interviews in the locker room. Um, I get through Erica Wheeler, who is the 2019 WNBA all-star MVP. And then now I'm in the locker room and I'm interviewing Candace Dupree, who now plays for the Seattle Storm. And so I'm interviewing Candace, and in the background, I could hear Erica listening or like on my Instagram page, like like there was a video playing, and I turn around and I'm like, Are you looking at my Instagram? And she's like, Girl, focus. Like we were like, it was like a funny moment. Um, I have the video of the moment because the person who's filming my interview. Um, it was like a fun, candid moment because, like, I know both Candace and Erica, they have a really good relationship. And so, just hearing her on my page while I was in the locker room, like, looking at the video I had posted on Instagram, like, a few hours before the game was hilarious because it was like a dancing video. And she was listening to it, and the volume was so high. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, that sounds like she's on my page. <laughs> and it was just like I had to break out of my um, interview character and, like, just address it because it was hilarious. But um, yeah, that was super funny. Um... And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Season one of Hoopers Unhailed was a complete success. I want to thank all of my guests from season one and sit back and relax because guess what? Season two is on the way. So 
In the meantime, in between time, this is Kevin, better known in this media world as KDOT, signing off. And I say to you, peace and love to everybody out there. Flavor production. Yeah.